We are in Stand in the Gap, our series Stand in the Gap. So let's go to our key scripture. It's Ezekiel chapter 22 and verse 30. It says, I looked for someone who might rebuild the wall of righteousness that guards the land. God is looking. He said, I searched for someone to stand in the gap in the wall so I wouldn't have to destroy the land, but I found no one. Now, there are many different ways we can stand in the gap. I know we've looked at a lot of them here in this series. We can stand in the gap in so many different ways. We can stand in the gap by serving others with our time. We can stand in the gap by praying for others. We can stand in the gap by sharing the good news with others. We can stand in the gap by loving the hard cases and, and letting them know how much we care. We've seen example after example of that through scripture and through testimonies throughout this series. But there's one area that's probably the hardest area, uh, at least according to Scripture, it's one of the hardest areas, uh, and, and it's the most revealing of our heart more than any other area. Does anybody take a guess what we're going to be talking about? Somebody got it? You got it? According to Scripture and according to Jesus, this is one of the toughest areas and so what I want to talk about today is the generosity, the gap of generosity, the generosity gap. And what I want to do is I want to take a, look, a real quick look at the story that many of you guys have heard. If you grew up in, in Sunday school or church or you've read the Bible a little bit, you've maybe heard of this story called, that is, we call it the feeding of the 5,000. Have you guys heard of that story? Where basically Jesus is out doing his thing, he's out there preaching, he's doing miracles, but the story goes that Jesus was taking, he was preaching and preaching, and as the day began to wear on, so he's preaching a really long sermon, okay? We're not talking about the 35 minutes you're in and you're back out. I mean, it is going on, and the people have had nothing to eat. Now, it's called the feeding of the 5,000. That was because there were 5,000 men estimated. That's how they counted them in that day, because they were really trying to count families. So you can think 5,000 families. And then women and children besides. So you're talking about a minimum of 20,000. Most likely you've got up to, I mean, in that day they had, a, there wasn't 2.5 kids. There was a lot more kids. And so we're talking about thousands upon thousands of people who are sitting there. And the disciples say, we've got to send the, these people home. They have nothing to eat. And, and it's getting late. And they need to go in there. And, and Jesus said, well, why don't you give them something to eat? <coughs> Now, how many guys, if you're the disciples, you're kind of like, what are you talking about? This is like 30,000 people here, 20,000 people. Give them something to eat. And then if you know the story, here comes this little boy who has, I like to think of it like this. He has a happy meal. He's got a happy meal. He's, that's, that's what he's got. And he's walking by and the disciples see that. And this little boy hears the conversation or somehow connects with the conversation. And just like in the most innocent, childlike faith way, Offers it up and says, here, I'll give my lunch. You know what? Whatever you put in Jesus' hands has the potential to multiply. But it's only when it leaves our hand. So this little boy, you know, the scripture says, come to him with childlike faith. And so this child, with the faithful child, with a lunch, offers it up. And so Jesus takes this and uh, he, he begins to hand it to the disciples and he has them handed out. Now, and I, I, you can just imagine they're each getting like a french fry or something like that to go and take it to the people. And he has them sit down in groups of 50 and 
It says as they began to pass this out, God began to do a miracle and begin to multiply the food. Uh, and it's just an incredible picture because at the end of it all, what started off as a happy meal now turns into 12 baskets full left over. How does that happen? That's just unbelievable. It's an amazing miracle story in the Bible. But I think it's a picture of God's grace towards us. That when we give God what we have, even if it's just a little bit, even if we don't think it's going to make a difference, even if we don't think it matters, that God multiplies his grace back to us in ways we would have never dreamed. How many guys are so thankful for that? Is anybody? I mean, we have to never forget and always remind ourselves of God's grace and God's faithfulness. But how many of you guys would admit that when I talk about an area like generosity, or I bring up a subject like selfishness. Is anybody just kind of, you just kind of know in your heart that maybe you still struggle in this area a little bit. Maybe you've had freedom in certain ways, but on the inside, you know that there's still a struggle with selfishness. There's still a struggle with generosity. There's still a struggle to have an open hand relationship with God where we say, God, it's all yours. I'll do whatever you say. I'll say that I still struggle with that many times. And so I, what I want to see happen today is I want to see us get just a little bit more free and hopefully a lot more free in this area of generosity because it doesn't just affect our money. Like we talk about money, it doesn't just affect our money. It affects our hearts and our grace towards other people as well. And so if we start to get free in this area, it begins to be like a domino effect. It begins to uh, affect every area of our life. So again, how many of you guys... How many of you guys just, let's just talk to you guys. How many of you guys would just admit just for a second you still struggle with this area a little bit? All right. Got some honest people. Good. Good. All right. Some people. Now, I'll, I'll just let Robert Morris share just a little bit from this video clip about how it's still a struggle, especially for men, to not be selfish. So let's watch. I do want to just say just for a moment, ladies, that there is an area of selfishness that men never grow out of. I just want you to know, Okay. We do not want to share our food. <laughs> and for some reason, you want our food. And I don't, I don't understand that. And we do not want to share our food. The very first time, Pastor Tom and Jan Lane, sitting on the front row, Jan said, I knew you were going to say this, sitting right there, the very first time I went to dinner with them, I, we were going around the table ordering, I ordered, and Jan said, oh good, I've been wanting to try that. <laughs> I, I never even met the woman, and she wanted to eat off my plate. <laughs> and I said, well, you better order some, because that's the only way you're going to get any. <laughs> Think about it, come on. What does every woman say? When you're at the drive-thru. What does every woman say? You say, well, would you like something? No, I'll just have some of yours. <laughs> no, you won't. <laughs> I'll buy you two orders of fries. But you're not getting any of my fries. And the fries that fall in the bottom of the bag are mine too. You, you got that going on still. That, that just described my marriage right there. Okay, if you want to know, 
that just described our marriage. Seriously, like she's, just, I just want a bike. And for me, I've already got everything exactly portioned how I want it, okay? If you take one drink, if you take one piece, it's all, it's as if I haven't had anything, right? So, have you guys, have you guys just, uh, that's you, can just go ahead and own it? Okay, yeah, it's not just the guys, it's not just the guys, okay? So, uh, yeah, so here's this kid who's willing to give up his food. Now, that's a pretty big deal, especially if you want a happy meal. So, uh, that's kind of the story we're looking at right there. Now, today's a little bit different. I'm going to be showing you several clips throughout this uh, sermon and they're all going to be from Robert Morris. Now, here's why. Normally, I like to put videos in. I like to take you to different places to help you remember things, take you to places like my sewer and different things like that to kind of <laughs> stick that in your mind. But today, I'm doing something very strategic for a purpose because uh, a few years ago, we did a series called The Blessed Life. And the series was all, it was seven weeks long, and it was all on video. So we came to church and we watched this video series from Robert Morris. And it was kind of a strange thing for the culture of our church to do, but we did that. Now, here's why we did that. We did that because we wanted to get free in the area of generosity. And let me tell you what happened. We saw so many stories of people get set free in generosity. Just in our church alone, the giving uh, doubled in our church over the summer. Amazing. It was amazing. You could just see people get free. I heard story after story of people who, in their personal life, as they encountered people, that God set them free to give big in huge ways. And it started to set them free in other areas of their life. And so what I want to do today is I want to take the whole Blessed Life series and I want to pack it into tonight's message. Okay? I'm not going to do all of it, but I'm going to give you a sample of it because here's what I want you to do this week. Your assignment, your homework is to watch the Blessed Life series. We're going to put it up on our Facebook page. We're going to put it out there so you can watch it all this week. You can take one a day. And I dare you to do it. There are going to be parts that make you uncomfortable. There's going to be parts that you're going to be like, ah, I don't. But I dare you to do that. And then also along with that, we have ordered hundreds of these Blessed Life books. And this is Robert Morris's story about generosity. And he tells a story not about giving to get, but about getting to give. And it's amazing. And so we're going to give away to each family and maybe spouses if you think you both need a copy. Because how many guys mark up books? Anybody mark up books? And how many guys you don't mark up the book at all because it would ruin it? Okay, some of you guys. See, there you get it. I don't want to, I don't want to hurt a marriage. Okay, so uh, if you both are going to read, then fine. And if we need to order more, but take a copy for your family if you're going to read this. We have enough out there for everybody to take a copy. And I want you to read that as soon as possible because it will set you free in your life. And so I want to go to a scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. And you may have heard this scripture before, but I want you to see something in it. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. How many guys like that word abundance? says an abundance for every good work. Here's the question. Do you have an abundance for every good work? Or do you find yourself not having abundance? Like maybe you're paycheck to paycheck or maybe you just your hand is like this. Do you have an abundance for every good work? And here's why I say that. Because how many of you guys want to be, you want down deep to be a giver. Anybody want to be a giver? And I'm not just talking about giving in the offering. I'm talking about just a generous person. You want to be a generous person. But listen, if you want to be generous, and if you want to be a giver, this is going to sound crazy, but you first have to have something to give. 
You first have to have something to give. See, God says there's going to be an abundance for every good work, but you first have to have something to give. That means God has to bring an abundance in your life. Now, how many of you guys have ever had a problem with abundance in your life before? I mean, not like, like I had too much of it, but you had a problem with maybe a philosophy of thinking that if I have more, there's something wrong with that, right? Sometimes we get into a theology that says that if I have a bunch, that somehow I feel guilty about that. We want to deal with that today. God has no problem with abundance. Let me just say that again. God does not have a problem with abundance. You know what God has a problem with? God actually has a problem with poverty. Poverty. God has a problem with poverty. So point number one today is this. Don't ever be shy about asking God for abundance. Don't be shy about asking God for abundance. Because some people have thought wrongly that poverty or being poor somehow is godly. There are theologies out there, there are churches out there that teach us that somehow being poor is godly. I'm telling you, that is not true. That's not true. And if you get a, a poverty mentality, well, let me just reason with you. If, you. if you think, yes, being poor is godly, there is something about being poor and godly that is true. If you believe that, then we better stop trying to help the poor. Because we're working against God's will. Is anybody with me tonight? <laughs> if being poor is godly, then we better stop trying to help the poor not be poor because that means we're working against God. God has no problem with abundance. He actually has a problem with poverty. In fact, one of the reasons why he came, Jesus came to lift up the poor. That's right there in, in Luke. He talks about why he came. He came to lift up the poor. And so Jesus came to lift up the poor. But let me show you how much more that God doesn't even have a problem with abundance. Watch this story. Many of you guys have heard this too. John chapter 12. He came to help the poor, but watch this. In verse 3 it says, Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he who was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Jesus said, Leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. So here's this story, this expensive, can you imagine something, some perfume or some, something, some spice in a jar, you know, probably this size or maybe a little bigger, I don't know. But the contents of it were so valuable that 300 denarii basically was equivalent to a year's wage. So imagine whatever that is to you, a year's worth of your income, and this lady comes and takes a year's worth of income and pours it out over Jesus' feet, seemingly in a wasteful act. But can I tell you how much God is a God of abundance? He says, that's not a big deal. I'm proud of her for doing that. She understands that there are certain times when extravagance is needed when it comes to worship. There's certain times when extravagant generosity is needed and required. There's certain times when, when God is okay with there being an abundance and it doesn't even have to be helping the poor to do that. 
So God, God doesn't have a problem with abundance. But sometimes we do. Because sometimes we associate abundance with another thing that God does have a problem with. See, God does have a problem with greed and selfishness. But don't put greed and selfishness in the same box as abundance. Because they're not the same thing. And so God has no problem with abundance. In fact, it can actually be selfish of you to not want more. Because, again, if you want to be generous and if you want to have, if you want to be a giver, you must first have something to give. And if we take on a theology of poverty and we say, well, I'm just going to, I don't want to ever ask God for more. Then guess what you're saying? You're limiting your ability to be used by God to bless other people. And that's selfish. If, well, I'm preaching pretty good tonight, right? So, <laughs> see if you're awake. God has no problem with abundance. God, let me say it this way. God is looking to bless people who are looking to bless people. Let me say that again. God has no problem with abundance. God is looking to bless people who are looking to bless people. So, let's watch this next clip from the Blessed Life series. There are three levels of giving, by the way. If you don't know this, and I've done lots of studying here of giving, three levels of giving. I saw this years and years ago, probably 20, 25 years ago. Uh, tithes, offerings, and extravagant offerings. And nearly every uh, gift you see in Scripture falls under there of a tithe, an offering, or an extravagant offering. I remember when I saw that, I called Steve Doolin, one of our elders and a close friend of mine, and uh, I said to him, did you know there are three levels of giving in the Bible? And he said, yep. I said, you do not. <laughs> Made me mad because, you know, when a preacher finds something in the Bible, we don't think anybody else knows it. And, you know, I'm talking about Laban. You know, a guy owns a company at that time. And I said, hey, see, you don't either. I said, what, what are the three levels here? He said, tithes, offerings, and painful offerings. <laughs> I said, well, that's close enough. Did you know, though, that most Christians never get to the first level of giving? You know how many Christians last year tied 10% of their gross income to their local church? Undesignated, by the way. By the way, the reason that it's undesignated, you can't say, well, 5% here, 3% here, 2%. The reason you can't designate the tithe is because it doesn't belong to you. And people do want to designate money because they want to control. Can I say that again? Because I've seen it a lot. I've seen a lot of people try to buy me. If I get a big gift, will you do this? I'm just going to answer, no. No. So you can't designate. So you know how many Christians actually give 10% of their gross income to their local church? It's between 5 and 7%. So only 93 to 95%, 93 to 95%, let me say it this way, of all believers never even get to the very first level of giving. Here's the great thing, so if you ever get to the first level, you'll get to the second and the third because the first level breaks the curse and opens the windows of heaven over you. <laughs> I told you about Stephen when we go in the Lord, when he said painful offerings. One of the reasons he said that was because God asked him one time to give a very extravagant offering. I think God asked every person several times in their lives to give an extravagant offering, but it might be different for you, okay? So I want to say that, clarify that as I, as I talk about this. And um, next week is Pastor Jimmy Evans, and then the next week we conclude the series. And I'll share with you our giving testimony 
for Debbie and me, how God began us on this journey. But so one time, Steve and Melody, Steve had paid all the bills and got down to the bottom of his um, check. Now, you need to know that Steve owned a company for many years and now works with our business ministry and, and sold his company and uh, made millions of dollars and gave millions of dollars away. Matter of fact, for 15 years, he gave 50% of his income to the kingdom. So uh, God blessed him tremendously financially. So one day, he's adding up, he pays his bills, and he looks at the amount that's left over his checking account, and he thought, God, you have been so good to me. And then he just thought, I wonder how much cash I have. And he had no debt, no mortgage, no, no company debt, no debt at all. So he went to his savings account and took that number and added it to his checking balance. And then he went to his, an investment account that he had and he added that to the other two and then he went to his retirement account and he added all four numbers and he had a, a very, very large number. And uh, he went to bed. Next morning he got up and he was having his quiet time and the Lord said to him, how much money do you have? And he said, my first thought was, I knew I shouldn't have added that up. <laughs> And he heard my testimony about giving everything away, and he thought, I wonder if God's ever going to ask me to do that. And here was this time where he knew exactly how much he had, so the Lord said, how much money do you have? And he said, what do you mean, God? I mean, do you mean like in my wallet? You mean how much do I have in my wallet? The Lord said, how much money do you have? He said, what do you mean? You mean like in my checking account? What do you mean? The Lord said, how much money do you have? He was saying to him, you know what I mean. You know exactly how much you have. You added it up last night. So he said, Lord, I have this much money. And the Lord said to him, would you give it to me? Now, he said, my first thought was fear. That was my first thought. And that's what the enemy will do. He said, but my second thought was, the Lord asked me. He asked me. And he said, yes, yes, Lord, I would love to do this. So he and Melody gave everything away, everything they had, all the cash, everything. By the end of the next calendar business year, so longer than 12 months, it was the rest of that year and then another calendar business year. He said, it happens quite time when the Lord said to him, hey, go add up those four accounts. And he said, it's, it's okay. It's all right, I'm good. I'm, I trust you. It's good. The Lord said to him, no, no, it's, it's all right. Just trust me, go, go look at it. And he went and looked at all four accounts. Now get this, in just a little over a year later, all four accounts had more than twice as much in every account. And God said, what took you 15 years to do? I did it in one year. You could have done it in one day, son. I'm just simply saying, I'm not asking you to give everything. I'm not asking anyone here to do that, anyone. I'm asking you, though, to give everything God tells you to. And let me just tell you, when God does give you the opportunity to give an extravagant gift, it'll be the greatest thing. You will look back on it for the rest of your life, thinking we gave this. We, it was such a joy for us to do that. God is looking to bless people who are looking to bless people. You realize blessing is God's idea? So sometimes we got to get get over the fact of or the, the fact that God does want abundance in our life because we're thinking about it wrong. Does it, does it bother you that Abraham was a, was a very wealthy person in the Bible? That Solomon was a very wealthy person. That David was a very wealthy person. All these people were very very wealthy. They just it, it, instead of the wealth owning them, God owned them, right? Let me put it another way. 
Do you want your kids to live in poverty? You want your kids that if they get blessed a little bit for them to feel guilty about it and to feel kind of ashamed about it and to not want, just to barely scrape by? Of course we don't want that for our kids. I'm telling you that God doesn't want that for you or for you. He doesn't want that for us. Don't be shy about asking God for abundance. Now, number two is important. Determine what's food to eat and seed to sow. 2 Corinthians 9.10 says this, Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and, in the, and increase the fruits of your righteousness. You see, in your abundance, there are two types. There are, there's food to eat that God has given you to, to eat on and to enjoy. There's nothing wrong with that. But he's also brought things into your life that are seeds to sow. And if we don't understand the difference, we may, we, we may misunderstand what God is doing. There are times, though, when God simply wants to bless you just like you want to bless your kids. I went through a season uh, a few years ago now. It was 2014, I think it was. And I'd kind of been having this thing with God where I had, uh, whenever someone would give me something, I would really struggle to receive it. And I've worked through a lot of that, but I, I really struggled with it. And I was asking God why. And, and I was trying to wrestle with that. And so God did something to us in that season where he was breaking something off of me. And he began to use person after person after person to begin to give me things. And I mean, I, people gave us all kinds of stuff. People gave us money. People gave us a blender. People gave us a grill. People gave us uh, bunches of clothes. People gave us a piano. People gave us a kitchen faucet. People gave me a beautiful table, weed eaters. Uh, uh, people gave me a, a, a TV stand of all things. Guns. I mean, just to go hunting with. It was just, I mean, I, I, I lost track. We, we started riding down, then we just lost track. There were so many things packed in a short amount of time from random different people that we began to call that the season of blessing. And we just named that. That's the season of blessing. May God give me more of those, right? It was the season of blessing. And God was simply showing me that I have no problem with abundance. And he was also showing me something very important, which all of us need to learn. My job is not my source. God is my source. And if I live open-handed with God, I don't have to be fearful about what leaves my life. Because God can use anything and anybody. He doesn't have to use my job to do it. And that's what he taught me in that season. He said, I'm going to bring things into your life. But then he also taught us that everything I bring into your life is not just for you. And so over the years, we've been able to give. We've even given away, had the opportunity to give away a couple cars over the years. And we haven't had a lot to do that. But I'm telling you, when you determine in your life what is food to eat and what is seed to sow, God will find ways to use you, even if you don't have a lot at the moment. So let this next video inspire you to do that. I said, well, Lord, what do you mean give? He said, I mean give over and above the top. That's what you give. And I asked him three very important questions. I said, well, Lord, how will I know when to give? How will I know where to give? And how will I know how much to give? Aren't those important questions? Listen to his very simple answer. Here's what he said. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. My people hear my voice. My sheep hear my voice. And so I said, okay, Lord. 
So uh, not long after that, I go to speak at a church. Now you have to remember, the only salary that Debbie and I received was when I would go to speak at a church and if they would give us an offer. And I said, you don't have to give us anything. So I go to speak for this church. It's the only speaking engagement I have for the whole month. I only have one engagement that whole month, all right? And it's at a church with about 60 people in attendance. And I go and I speak at that church, and I said, I have no requirements coming. The pastor gets up afterwards. He tells the whole church that. He said, yes, he has no financial requirements coming. I want us to give an offering. I want us to give a, a, a good offering. So they count it, and then they bring a check to the pastor. And we're standing like right here at the front, and the pastor brings me this check. He says, look at this. Look at this. He said, we've never given this much. And he was so excited to be able to do that. And I looked down at the amount, and the amount was, a, was the exact amount of our monthly budget. Exactly. And he had dollars and cents on it. And you have to remember, at that time, we also had an office, and we had an, an employee, a person that helped me, to set up meetings. So some of the meetings, I think, were large meetings and we're gathering churches together and things like that. And so I looked down and I remember thinking, this is my only meeting for the whole month. You told me not to ask for anything and God, you are so faithful. And while I'm looking at that check and thinking how faithful God is, I kind of glance up and I look over the shoulder of this pastor that's talking to me and I see at the back of the church a missionary that had just spoken right before I spoke, shared a report and this voice said to me, give him the offering. And I remember exactly what I thought. I rebuke you, Satan. <laughs> that's, that's not God. That's not God. Get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. That is not God. I remember, this is funny, I know, but I remember even saying, that's not you. That's not you. I know you, that's not you. You would not do that, God. And the Lord said, give him the offering. The whole offering, give him the offering. And I remember saying, Lord, again, you just have to know that I talk to the Lord funny, and he talks to me funny. I remember I said, Lord, Lord, you're not thinking clearly. <laughs> this is the exact amount of our budget. We have no other meetings this month. You know, I, I preached a good message, and you got all pumped up, and you want to give the missionary now, Lord. But this, this is, you provided this for us. And the Lord said, give him the offering. Give him the offering. And then I remember the Lord said to me, I told you that I would tell you when to give and where to give and how much to give. And I'm telling you to give right now to that missionary the whole amount. And so the sanctuary was clearing out by now and I endorsed the check when no one was looking, folded it in half and I went to the missionary and said, I'm going to give you something, but don't look at it until after you leave because it was a very large amount. And I said, and um, don't ever tell anyone I did this because I didn't want to manipulate in any way. I have, I believe now, I'm supposed to share these testimonies to help other people. But back then, I didn't share any of these things that I was doing. So I gave him this offering, and uh, he, he, you know, said thank you. And then Debbie and I walked outside, and there were some couples staying in the parking lot. And one of the couples said, hey, we're going to go get some pizza. Do y'all want to go? And we said, yeah, you know, because we're broke, you know. And so, yeah, sure, no, yeah, sure, we're not going to pizza. So we go eat pizza with them, and there are... Six couples total. So Debbie and I and five other couples. The six guys sat on, if you see this in your mind, sat on one end of the table. The six girls sat on the other end of the table. Debbie's all the way at the end. On that end, I'm at this end. All right? These four guys started talking about something. They got in some conversation about football or something, you know. And then this guy crossed from me that I had met one time before. Just once. I just met him one time. He just leans across the table like this, you know, and so kind of leaned across 
I don't know what he's going to say. And he said to me, how much was the love offering? Just like that. And again, because I'm a numbers person, I knew exactly what it was. And so I told him the number. And remember, it was an offering, not an honorarium. An honorarium is with zeros. It's a round amount, like $250 or $500 or something like that. This was an offering that had, you know, dollars and cents on it. So I told him how much it was. And then this guy says to me, where's the check? Like that. And, and I know you're supposed to tell the truth, but I got kind of flustered. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know why this guy was questioning me. And so I just heard myself say, Debbie has it. So he says to me, go get it, I want to see it. So I said, okay. So I get up and I walk down to where Debbie is and I lean down to her and I said, how's your pizza? Is it good? Okay, good. There's nothing else to say. There's no check. And so I go back and again, I know you're supposed to tell the truth, but I don't know why is this guy asking me? So why is he questioning me? And I didn't want to say, in my heart, I didn't want to brag. I didn't want to say, we gave it to a missionary, and it's the only meeting we have this month, and I didn't want to say that. And so I just heard myself again. I said, it's in the car. <laughs> and he said, it's not in the car. So I said, where is it? so much, pal. I, I just, I start getting frustrated. Why is this guy grilling me like this? What is, what's going on here? And this guy said to me, who, oh, by the way, is now a member of our church and has verified this, this testimony. This guy said to me, you gave it away, didn't you? I said, yes. I said, how, how do you know that? I'd only met him one time before. I said, how do you know that? He said, because God told me. And he reached his pocket and he pulled out a check that he had written before he came to the service that night. And I found out later, which I didn't even know, he didn't even attend that church. He just heard I was speaking and God told him to go get him this check. So he writes a check out before he comes. He holds this check out that's made out to our ministry and he holds it up like this. Now listen to me, before God in heaven, and this man has verified this, it was exactly 10 times the amount of the check that I just get right down to the penny. Exactly. He said, here. And he's holding the top of it. I reached out. I took the bottom of it. But he wouldn't let it go. <laughs> and I, I, I realized he, he wants to tell me something. He wants to say something. I now know he wanted to impart something. You do know there's a gift of giving in the body of Christ. There's a gift of giving. That's a spiritual gift. So I'm holding the bottom. He's holding the top. He looked right across the top of the check, right into my eyes, and he said, God's about to teach you about giving so you can teach the body of Christ. And he let the check go. Here's what came into my mind when he let that check go. I, here's what I thought. This is God's money. This is not my money. This is God's money. All of it from now on is God's money. By God's grace, I've had that thought with every check that I've received since then. So determine what's food to eat and what's seed to sow. Let me give you a thought that maybe you haven't thought about. Do you realize that what God brings into our life 
again, it's not all for us. Do you realize that God trusts us to set our own salary by listening to his voice? In, in other words, what if God allowed you to make a million dollars this year? And just because you make a million dollars, does that mean, you, in other words, God will have you, by listening to his voice, set what your salary actually is. So what if God were to bring in a million dollars but want you to live off 60? Again, just because God brings it into your life does not mean that that's all food to eat. God trusts us to set our own salary by listening to his voice. In fact, we see an example of this by a story I heard a long time ago about John Wesley. John Wesley was part of major revivals and stuff. And, and in 1731, he was making like 30 pounds a year, you know, whatever that translates into today. I don't know. But he determined that he could live off of 28. And so he gave away two. Well, over the years, that began to change. And pretty soon he was making 60 pounds, but God still had him live off like 30. And then he was making 90. He got up to, uh, I believe it was 1,400 a year, but he was still living off of the around 28 or 30. He never had more than 100 in his possession. And, and at times he was making all kinds of money, so much so that since he didn't have any of it, with him, they actually investigated him at one point, thinking that he was laundering money or stealing from the government, not paying his taxes and all sorts of stuff. But in fact, he was just being generous that God trusted him to set the salary that he was to live off of by listening to the voice of God. And when he died, they only found just some coins on his dresser and not hardly any money in his pocket because he chose to live that way. Now, again, each one of us has to listen to the voice of God. That's not for everybody. But the point is, what is for everybody is that God does trust each and every single one of us to set our own salary. Because God wants each and every single one of us to be a giver. That means that everything that comes into our life is not going to stay in our life. So determine what's food to eat and what's seed to sow. Now, the last one is this. We're getting ready to wrap this up because we're going a little bit longer with, with all these videos. It's this. Decide here now rather than if then. Because how many guys would be honest that when we talk about a topic like this, like generosity, that we tend to have the idea of and tend to have a temptation to think that God, I will be generous when you bless me with more. If you give me more, God, I will happily be generous. And when I get to that level and when I get to this job or this pay level or whatever it is for us, then I'll be generous. And we tend to have this if-then relationship with God instead of here-now relationship with God. So one more video from Robert Morris's Washington. A few years after this, I was having my quiet time. And the Lord just spoke to me one day. I was reading in Philippians about Jesus gave up everything. And the Lord said to me, would you give me everything? And when he said it, I knew what he meant. And he meant everything in my personal checking account, everything in our mine, everything in our personal savings, everything in our ministry account, and everything in our ministry savings, which would be like a business account. That's where, where we're, our income came from. Everything in our retirement. At that time, we had two cars both cars and our house. And the way we, we did that, by the way, because we gave it to a pastor that had five children, and the church said the best way for you to do it would be to 
for the church to buy the house as a parsonage and then you give the proceeds back to the church. And so that was what we did. And there's the man who did that, who oversaw that transaction, is also a member of our church now, and can verify that we gave that to the church. So, and that was not Gateway, that was the church I was a member of a long time ago. So, anyway, we gave everything away. So the next morning, I'm thinking about it, and I'm because I'm a math person, I'm adding it up in my mind. All these accounts, you know, the, the cars, the house, I'm adding it up, and the Lord said to me, what are you doing? I said, nothing. <laughs> he said, no, what, what are you doing? I said, well, I don't want to tell you what I'm doing. And you know, if you're thinking something, but you don't tell him what you're thinking, he doesn't know. He knows, just so you know. So I said, well, Lord, I said, I, I, I'm not having a real spiritual thought right now, so I don't want to tell you. He said, tell me what you're thinking. I said, well, you know that old saying, you can't outgive God. He said, yeah, I've heard that. I said, um, well, I, I said, I don't mean it's wrong, but I think I did. <laughs> I mean, when you add up everything that I gave, I said, this time, I think I've got you. I have no reason why I said that word. I said, I think I've got you like that. And the Lord said to me, you think you've got me? And when he said that, the phone rang. And I picked up the phone. By the way, the man with the phone is a member of our church now and has verified this story also. I picked up the phone and I said, hello? And this guy said, Robert, God told me to help you with your transportation. And I thought, he's going to buy us a car. But even if he buys his car, um, we just gave away both cars. By the way, at that time, we'd given away nine cars. We've given away a lot more cars since then. And by the way, let me just uh, brag on the Lord through you. Last year, you, Gateway Church, gave over 100 cars to people. So it, it's contagious, the spirit of giving. And so, anyway, I, I was like, well, you need to buy some car, Lord. I said, got you. Because gave away all the retirement and house. And I said, I said, got you. But thank you for the car, you know. And uh, so I said, well, what did the Lord tell you to do? That's what the guy said. He told me to buy you an airplane. And he said, I'm going to pay for the maintenance and the hangar and the insurance and the fuel. And I've hired a pilot and I'm going to pay his salary. Here's his name and number. And you just call him and tell him where you want to go and when you want to go. And the Lord said to me, gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. Now, now, now listen to me. This is not a message give and you get an airplane, okay? <laughs> By the way, so I want to clarify, he gave the use of the airplane to us, and we gave the use of it back to him about a year later, and I, we don't have an airplane today. I don't own an airplane, the church doesn't own an airplane. So it's, this is not about an airplane, because that is not the best part of the testimony. Here's the best part of the testimony. A while after that, I was reading, and I was reading the most famous story about Solomon, and you know this story. What's the most famous story about Solomon? The most famous story about Solomon is that God said to Solomon, ask anything you want and I'll give it to you. Can you imagine God saying that to you? Can you imagine that? So I'm reading that and I thought it said at night the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream and said, ask anything you want. So I thought the Lord leads us when we're reading the Bible. I thought, I wonder what happened that day. What happened that day was he was inaugurated the king of Israel, and it was tradition for the king to sacrifice one bull when he was inaugurated. Do you know how many Solomon sacrificed? 
1,000 plus. 1,000. That's pretty extravagant. And I remember the Lord said to me that day, I only say to extravagant givers, ask anything you want. He said, I would never say that to a selfish person because I couldn't trust him. But I can trust givers. Now, I'm not even thinking about that Debbie and I had given away everything we had. But right then, when the Lord said that to me, he said to me, Ask. Ask anything you want. And I knew exactly what I wanted. I've been very honest with you, and you know this, I have an immoral past. I was immoral after Debbie and I were married. And I thought when she finds out, it's going to end our marriage. So I knew exactly what I wanted. I said, God, I want for Debbie and I to be passionately in love for the rest of our lives. And this May, we celebrate 35 years of marriage. That's better than an airplane. That's better than an airplane. See, you don't get to that level. You, you, don't, you don't get that generous at that point. It starts here and now. Robert started with what he had. I'm going to have worship team come back up as we're getting ready to close. Be faithful with what's in your hand. And when you give, just like that boy gave, just what it looked like, not very much, but he gave it to Jesus, and Jesus can multiply it. I'm saying, I'm saying this, I'm saying a strong message, because I try to preach consistently, and I'll preach strong on anything that God lays on my heart to preach. And let me just say it this way. If you're not tithing now, you won't tithe when you have more. If, if you're not giving offerings now, you won't give when you have more. If you're not giving to those that God leads you to and, and props you to in, in life and at work or whatever, you won't give when you have more. It starts now. Because Scripture is true. It says when you're faithful in little, he'll, he'll make you faithful in much. And so, again, if you really want to get free in this area, if you really want to get free in this area, then I dare you to watch all of the videos, even the uncomfortable parts, even the challenging parts this week. Make a commitment to watch all of them. We're going to post them on Facebook tomorrow. Or they'll be online as well. They're on our YouTube page. And get this book on your way out and begin to read. And I believe that God is going to set you free. Because here's the truth. And I just want to end with this thought. You never look more like God than when you give. We're called to imitate Jesus. We're called to imitate the Father. For God so loved the world that he gave. What is the biggest gift that we have? It's grace. See, whatever we give, whether it's our time or our resources or our grace towards other people or forgiveness, whatever it is, you never look more like God than when you give. And we're supposed to be conformed into the image of Christ. Can we stand up as we get ready to pray? Lord, we thank you so much for what you've given to us, that you died on the cross for us, that you gave us your life, that you took away our sins, that you gave us freedom, freedom from sin, freedom from our past, freedom from the old life, 
then you set us free. It was for freedom that you set us free. You set us free, not so that we would be selfish, but so that we would be generous, so that we would have freedom, that we'd have open hands. And that's the heart of this topic today is we want to be open-handed. We want to live like it's all yours so that we can see amazing things happen in and through people around us and in our lives and see people come to Christ as a result of that. Lord, help us to, to break off a spirit of greed or a spirit of selfishness and help us to put on a spirit of generosity. We make that declaration right now over our life.